Hello and welcome to the Where We Left Off podcast. I'm your host, Austin Gall, here with my co-host, Tommy Hanlon. The two of us have been working together for more than 10 years in the music industry, from managing a DIY venue to traveling the Midwest throwing parties. We've met some pretty interesting people along the way. This podcast is dedicated to conversations with artists and road dogs we have formed friendships with and see time and time again. We pick up where we left off. Tommy, you know what I was thinking about the other day? It has literally been a year since I've seen you. And that's like the longest I think I've gone without seeing you in like 10 years. Yeah, dude. It's pretty insane. Uh, I was trying to think. Yeah, like the last time we saw each other, I think it was right before like I left. I think. Or, no, you before you left. Yeah, but you would still come home like when you would leave like in the summer, like when you were in college. You would still come home like every like six months or something and you yeah. would come back and your beard would be like 10 times as long as it was when you left to show time and pass it's like yep. it's like the typical tommy move like go away for like six months and then come back with like <laughs> like this huge crazy lumberjack beard i mainly would just forget my razor and never want to buy one so you just <laughs> i think had jordan i think jordan made do. the same point like when we, he was on the podcast jordan like mentioned that you showed up at his place but you like had shaved your entire beard when you showed up at his place, so it was like the reverse, which yeah, is also super weird seeing you without facial hair. So yeah. I guess I guess enough about your facial hair. But let's get into our episode for today. We have our good friend TJ from Emo Night LA and Ride or Cry. He is an accomplished YouTuber as well, and overall just a pretty great dude. Um, really creative dude as well. We met TJ back in... I, th- I think I pinned it down to 2017 today when we brought Emo Night LA to the waiting room for their first official party in Omaha. I think there was one before that, but we won't count that one because it wasn't wasn't it was as good ours. as the one we had that night. But after bringing t- them to Omaha, we stayed in touch. And after some discussion, uh, I think my team was kind of invited to take over Emo Night in Omaha and then later the entire Midwest, essentially. So while we might not spend a whole lot of time together, we have worked closely for the last several years to build up Emo Night in the markets that we book shows out of, which is, you know, the, almost the entire Midwest. And it really has been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, beyond that, I mean, he's someone that I've learned a whole lot from and es- essentially has given us the keys to Emo Night LA in the Midwest, you know, trusted us to not fuck it up. And I don't think we have yet. So <laughs> that's good. But uh, let's welcome him in. TJ, thanks for joining us, man. Excited to have you on the show today. I feel like I feel like this this conversation has been a long time coming. We've never really like sat down. I think I took you to breakfast one time, like when you were in Omaha. But besides that, we haven't really like sat down and had like a full conversation before. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to to be here and to be catching up with you guys. Um, and that's you know next year. Well, I guess this year maybe. I'm coming to I'm coming to all the markets. I'm going to be flying all over the place. <laughs> Come hang. I've, I've been Lord. sitting in my house for too long, and I'm like ready to go travel now dude yeah i've got i finally have a vacation like my first vacation in a year scheduled for like the end of may like we're gonna go to get a cabin in like estes park for like a couple couple days with i'm gonna go do it with a friend so yeah i'm with you dude like once i'm able to like travel like i'm gonna be i'm gonna gonna be out here (laughs) as the kids say i'm gonna be really fucking out here traveling you know like it was crazy before like the pandemic too like me and tommy were doing we were taking trips to like LA all the time. Like I, th- I had never been to LA like prior to like being 29 years old. And then all of a sudden, like 
we have like this huge connection in LA and then we're going there all the time. It's crazy. I can't wait to get back. Okay, so I want to catch up with you because to be honest, we haven't spoken a ton in the past year since we've obviously not been working together as much. And I know you've it's true. You've been uh, doing a bunch of stuff, a bunch of huge adventures this year. So let's start by just catching up. I mean, you and your wife Erin rented like an RV sometime last year. Like, tell me about that trip you guys took. Then yeah, all, all the time you spent away from LA. Yeah, it's really crazy. Um, before the pandemic, like. I, I kind of just started YouTube. Like I probably posted like five or six videos before the pandemic. And then once the pandemic hit and everything with Emo and I was like super uncertain, I was like, okay, I'm going to like really dive into this and see if I can like start making this like a, a thing. Um, and I started just making videos um, in, in our apartment and that got pretty old pretty quickly. <laughs> um, it's still really old and like really hard to do now especially 13 months later yeah i was like, gonna say kind of just doing the same shit like it was really tough but um yeah we we had we were just like losing our mind we were supposed to get married in april um and we were just like going stir crazy over the summer and you know we don't have any family out here um so we were like we gotta we gotta figure out how we can go back home and like see our, our parents and, and do it safely and how can we make the most of it too so um we rented an rv and um we traveled across the country we, we drove from la to massachusetts took us like two and a half weeks and you know i've done tours before and like it's it's so different um when you're doing it just like for fun um at your own free will yeah, totally. Instead of being stuck in like a tour bus where you have to go like city to city, like I imagine it's probably yeah. much much more enjoyable to like do it yourself. Well, Tommy knows too. Like when you're touring like that, like you you sleep during the travel stuff, and you like wake up at yeah. six in the morning in like some Walmart parking lot, and then like it's time to load in, <laughs> and like you don't really get to see anything or like do anything except for maybe one or two days on the whole tour. Um, and this this was two weeks of of yeah our, our own free will but also we didn't have to poop in walmart bathrooms or <laughs> and we had like our own shower and our own house and like it was our own little home on wheels and we we're like making dinner in there and everything we were like very self-contained um this was when covid was like super bad over the summer and uh we we were just like trying to be super safe too so like we didn't want to take an airplane we didn't want to stay in hotels or anything like that um it was expensive as shit but <laughs> um it was really fun and really worth it and like a once in a lifetime thing i feel like yeah a trip of a fucking lifetime dude like that's i wish i would have done so i think me and tommy like flirted with the idea of driving from omaha to like the grand canyon like six or seven times at like the beginning of the pandemic but we never did <laughs> the grand canyon's pretty awesome dude i know i've always wanted to fucking go i've always wanted to go that's that should be on our list for next year, Tom. I went skydiving over the Grand Canyon during the Whoa. pandemic. Oh, so fuck yeah, I you did, did go. Didn't you? Wow, yeah. I totally forgot no, that you did. He just didn't go. Yeah, I went. Bastard. Yeah, we were at going out to LA already, so I was like, well, on the way back, we'll camp in the Grand Canyon. So I was like, oh, sorry, yeah. Austin, I'm out doing it without you. <laughs> yeah, there was a sign. It was like skydive the Grand Canyon, and I was like, well, I guess that's the best way to do it in one day. Dude, there, there's the thinking behind jumping out of an airplane is like a whole nother topic, but I just have to say, you have to be some sort of psychopath to do that. Like, I would never in my life. You couldn't pay me. 
enough money. Dude, to if jump you saw the plane we jumped airplane. out of, it was better than landing in it. So they're like already it, scared it, of flying. <laughs> I can't imagine getting up there already being scared and be like, "All right, jump out." <laughs> like, yeah. Oh God. Was that your first time skydiving? Yeah, yeah, definitely like shitting my pants on the way up, but it was oh, fun and, and it was yeah. My girlfriend went with me and we were both like, ah, "All right, we're doing it." <laughs> oh my God, TJ, have you gone? I have not. Yeah, um, it's actually funny that you say that because like right before we hopped on this call, I was watching a like YouTube video that this dude posted that was like about his terrible experience. <laughs> um, uh, wow, my audio thing just popped up that I'm like the my free trial's over, <laughs> so I don't know if I can record. I might. Have to it's okay. I, it. I got you recording. Oh well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was like jumping out of an airplane and like landed wrong i don't know the full story but he really really damaged his eye like really bad see that's what i'm saying man fuck that shit yeah there's definitely like as you do it you're signing all these like waivers and watching this video that's like there's no perfect skydiving and like this dude's just like it you could die and you're just like i yeah we still want to do it sure it's giving me anxiety just talking about it so yeah let's let's, move on let's get into this (laughs) so i mean you mentioned going you know back to your hometown you know at the beginning of the pandemic you're from utah right park city Yes, sir. So for those of us who don't know, tell us about growing up in Park City and the music scene there. Like, isn't the used like from that general area? Yeah. Growing up in Utah was awesome. I got to ski a lot. I, that was like why my parents moved there to begin with. Um, They both are from the East Coast. They're from Massachusetts. They grew up there. They had me there. And then when I was under a year old, they moved to Park City, Utah um, to ski. And this was in like the eighties. So Park City was like nothing. Like there was like nothing there. And now like Vail came in and like bought it and (laughs) turned it into basically like LA in the mountains. And it's like so different now from, from what it was when I was growing up there. Um, But it was beautiful. I had like an awesome childhood. I didn't really realize it um, until I was in, in Utah with my parents again, and we were kind of watching some of our old home movies, and my dad's converting all of them from VHS uh, over to digital. And My dad did that a few years ago, too. And he, the only way to do it is to, like, watch the videos. Yeah. So <laughs> he just had it on, like, all day, every day when we woke up to when we went to bed. Um, and I was just like, man, my childhood was so good. <laughs> um, yeah, we just, we, we skied a lot and, um, we spent our summers back home in the East coast, like visiting with family and things like that. And then when I was like 15, that's when I started to discover emo music and I started like skiing less and like joined a band and, <laughs> you oh, know, shit. And, you were in, a, you were in a fucking high school band. Oh yeah. I was oh, in, God. I was in a couple of like. Screamo emo like bands, vocals or guitar or what? What was your instrument? I was the singer. Oh, oh vocalist, writing those um, angsty lyrics. Yeah, and then, like towards the end of high school, I got into like my really heavy bright eyes phase and fuck yeah, you wanted to do singer songwriter indie guy thing. Dude, you would have loved growing up in Omaha, man. Oh, I know. <laughs> dude, you would probably let like, dude. Austin won't let me play Bright Eyes like at, at emo nights. Like, really? He, he like. I mean, I don't think we have. I I don't think we ever have. 
Uh, I have before. Not true, dude. Not, not true because Dallas from Desperados came and DJed that's the Dallas. first party that's a guest. That I'm saying you or I hitting play song. on a Bright so Eyes song had, hasn't happened, and there, that's so. <laughs> yeah, Denver, Denver Dally is is his name. Oh shit! Um, I call him Dallas. Yeah, that's Denver, close. Denver, sorry. Yeah, it's been a while. That was that well, was like that was like four or five years ago now. My favorite thing about our emo night representatives is that Austin runs Omaha and Orlando runs da- <laughs> Dallas For those of you and Rob know. Denver runs Denver. Oh, shit. Yeah. I forgot about him. I don't think I've that ever met great. him before, but for those who don't know, Orlando Mendoza, the Texas representative does like all of the Texas parties and obviously does the one in Austin. I was thinking about it like last year. I was like, yo, we should like do a show trade. Like, yeah, everybody do their name. Like, so yeah. That'd be so fucking funny. <laughs> It'd be so great, but Rob just stays. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, "Who's lame?" <laughs> well, take us up to the point where you met Babs and Morgan and like formed Emo Night. I mean, you left like Park City. How the hell did you end up in LA? Did you like get like a marketing job out there and like end up out I, there or what? Um, I went to music school uh, in Boston. I went to Berkeley College of Music. Um, and what was your what was your focus in college? It was songwriting and music production. Okay. Um. And I was in bands there too. And like, you know, at one point like dropped out and like went on, on a van tour and did that thing where you're like sleeping on people's floors and stuff. Like, I feel like you have to do that, you know, like one. <laughs> yeah, dude, I never knew that about you. I never, I never. Yeah, I didn't know you went you to Berkeley. Like That's insane. That's crazy. But you, what did you say? Tell me. I didn't know you went to Berkeley. I, I didn't know about that, yeah. about you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was super fun. Right. And I can't imagine like graduating high school and then moving to LA. Um, I'm glad that I had Berkeley as like a buffer. Like I'm not necessarily like pumped on, you know, the actual curriculum or whatever. I, <laughs> right. The piece of paper that I got from Berkeley. But as far as like having like a microcosm of the music industry where you can kind of just fuck up and it doesn't really matter and, <laughs> and you can learn that way. Um, it was great. And also I made a lot of really good friends and connections and like so many people in the music industry went there. Like I just, I run across like so many people now that I work with that went there. That's crazy. I mean, how much different is LA from like park city? Like, I mean, you said it was like, you know, park city has become like the new LA, but like when you were growing up, you know, like how much different was it from like LA, like compare it from like now to like when you were a kid. I don't know. I don't really know what LA was like in the like aughts in the yeah. mid 2000s. Um, Park City was always kind of like the cool spot, you know, kind of like what Omaha is to Nebraska. Sure. Um, and they also have like the Sundance Film Festival there every year, which is when all of Los Angeles descends upon Park City and like puts on ski boots and watches indie films. Right. Um, so it's always like had that like tinge of of like coolness and you know a little bit of celebrity and things like that um i feel like uh the culture in park city is way closer to los angeles than like say boston boston's miles different even though it's a big city i feel like boston's like way different than than la right so i mean you're in LA now you meet Babs and Morgan and while you're working, I mean like you meet them while you're working at like a marketing agency, right? So yeah, like right after I finished college, I 
got an internship at uh, the Windish agency in LA. And um, Windish is now Paradigm, who represents Emo Night. Yeah, which is full circle. Kind of a cool thing <laughs> for me. Um, <laughs> uh, but shout then, out, shout out Rachel. She's awesome. Yeah, shout out Rachel. Um, yeah, so I was working at that agency. I was doing that like for free. And I was working at American Apparel and like driving Uber and Lyft and just like really broke. Um, and just like trying to make it work. And I will, those like first, two years in LA were just so hard. Um, cause I didn't know anybody and you're just trying to do anything to get your like foot in the door wherever you can and make connections. And at the same time, like pay your rent, um, it, and, really pay, and pay your rent in fucking LA dude, like the most expensive yeah. <laughs> place ever to live. Yeah. It wasn't as bad back then, but it was still pretty, pretty bad. I feel like I lived with my girlfriend at the time and we paid like 1400 for a one bedroom. But nowadays like that would be like 2,500. Sure. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys come up with the ideas to kind of like do like this emo night thing at the shortstop, which I believe is pretty close. I'm not like an LA like genius, but it's like pretty close yeah. to where the Echoplex is now. Right. Yeah. I mean, what were the Echo Park is like, what were the expectations for like the first party that you threw? I mean, have you ever thrown a party prior to that? uh not really just like parties in college um at yeah. my house uh my house was kind of like the party house and <laughs> it's really funny because my roommate was alex from emo night brooklyn so oh yeah i think you told me that a while ago i finally made that connection like over the years that's it's so crazy like how <laughs> how like out of all of the like emo night knockoffs that like emo night LA and emo night Brooklyn are like the two biggest. I'm not trying well, to, he I'm just not trying fucking, to not trying to pump you know, not trying to pump me off. off. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> fucking that's crazy, dude. It's like yeah, so we no, go ahead, we started our party um in like November or December of 2014 and then like a month or two after that when I Brooklyn started their thing, they just like saw what we were doing and they're like, we could do that. Oh my God. Yeah. So what were those early parties like though out there and at the, uh, where was it? Shortstop that you started that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those, those, those parties were really fun and we, there wasn't a lot of expectation with it at all. We were kind of just like, let's get all of our friends together at a bar and like, we'll pick the music for the night. And, you know, Whoever shows up will show up. We didn't think that it was going to be anything at all other than just like 25 people drinking like PBRs and like we were picking music off of an iPad. Right. And um, the Facebook event like popped off. I it like that first Facebook event, like it just snowballed. Like our friends saw their friends and their friends saw their friends and everybody just like kept getting it in their feed and clicking going. and um. I remember the first one was like a rainy random Tuesday night and uh, we didn't think anybody would come because when it rains in LA and everybody just like stays home. Right. Um, but there was like a line, a, a line around the block for that first one. And, and we didn't expect that at all. And I remember Morgan looked at me while we were DJing and he's like, you realize like this is happening in LA. And I didn't really understand like what the significance of that was. Or, That's like, huge. If, if you have a line around the block on like a first <laughs> night of anything, like 
on a Tuesday in the rain, hard, like their entire careers to like have that one shot in LA and then like 20 people show up for their like record release, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, lying out the door on, on your first thing is insane. Yeah. So, I mean, Emo Night's in like something crazy, like 30 markets or something now. I mean, obviously the pandemic has kind of like curtailed all of that. No, I mean, there's no parties or shows happening anywhere, but we've got like eight teams running all of the shows across the country, right? Something like that. But is it crazy yeah. to see the growth of this party and how it's become like a staple, you know, from, <clears throat> you know, all over the States from just like your one huge night at like shortstop? Absolutely. I don't think we ever expected it to be anything like this, but, uh, I think we have constantly approached this, like, how do we keep like one upping ourselves and how do we keep making it better? And I think like, that's why I really like working with you, Austin, is because you're always like, how do I, <laughs> how do I make my parties better or bigger? Or, like, how do we get like a better guest? Or like, how do we add another room here? Or, what can we do different? You know, I feel like it would have been really easy to just like stay comfortable and do the thing that works. Um, but it also probably would have, fizzled out by now and i think that's just kind of something that has like kept everything going it's just like continually trying new weird shit and seeing what works um yeah, and even I now know, like I totally agree dude putting out like a fucking chicken sandwich you know <laughs> Love that, yeah it's crazy i was kind of like drawn to you guys for that fact because you guys just kept on doing like crazier and crazier shit you know what i mean like it's it's really I think it's hard for those concepts to pop off like in LA, but like in Omaha, people don't have any, like there's none of that entertainment really exists. So like when you bring like just a little bit of like a taste of it, like into like any market, like here in the Midwest, it's like, Holy shit, this is like really fun. You know, like this could be supported anywhere. And like, it's, it's, it's caught on everywhere. But I mean, you guys have played crazy ass places like Webster hall in New York city. I mean, that's huge. I mean, did you imagine yourself to be in this position like five years ago when like everything came to fruition i mean like did you ever think that you guys would be on like the coachella bill <laughs> like <laughs> no i mean that's like a you know life dream you know and uh never in a million years did i think that my name would be on there especially as somebody who literally doesn't even make me make my own music you know yeah. Yeah. um it's it's really interesting because it's like being creative in the music space without making music right yeah have you had any DJ nights that like weren't packed? Like personally, we've had a couple where it was like 75 people in Iowa city. Half the audience is on the stage. We're just like, well, I guess we're going to have fun for ourselves. And like, if these people want to party with us, it's what it is. But, yeah, like, we've absolutely. Had those nights I think that that's just... just part of, of it. You know, um, you got to try out things and see what works and try new markets and see what works. And, you know, even like that first Omaha show we did before, you guys were involved mad awkward like so awkward it was at this huge room um and we oh we were just coming off the momentum of like an la event where it's like packed 1500 people we're like oh yeah we can do that like anywhere um and it's a little bit of like a reality check when you're like okay like we got to build up to it here but yeah. <laughs> no um but yeah yeah, dude, Tommy, I remember that show that you were talking about. That was the night that, like, that venue was so weird. They had, there was, like, 75 people there, and it wasn't half the audience that was on stage. It was, like, the, the entire the fucking audience. crowd was on stage. <laughs> and this stage yeah. was really small, and that venue, for whatever fucking reason, had, they did, like, the DOS boot thing, and there was, like, four, oh, four yeah. or five people, like, carrying them around, like, on stage and just 
passing them around to every dude. Every, oh my god! Everybody was. Yeah, oh I forgot about the boots. Yeah, I dude. drank that night. Even yeah, we yeah. didn't. I couldn't because usually I would drive back like to the hotel or whatever, and we had to like catch an Uber and I think get our car the next day because these fucking boots were going around all dude, night. Dude, it was crazy like, because it wasn't whatever. even like people from Iowa City was that were there. It was like people that drove like four hours from Omaha and then like some people from Des Moines. So it was, yeah, <laughs> it was a party. Yeah, I don't think we'll least. ever go back there. Besides the point. I mean, uh, one thing I thought about today, and I wanted to ask you, TJ and Tommy too. I bet you could probably relate to this but like i had a nightmare the other night about like nobody showing up to the party do you ever have like reoccurring nightmares about emo night that you can't shake like you're djing then all of a sudden the the equipment breaks or like ddj like doesn't <laughs> doesn't load the song off yeah. like the internet or something or just like, <clears> i mean you know we've lived death. a bunch of those too, oh yeah I've, and... lived, I've lived a bunch of them too <laughs> it's terrible um i luckily wasn't there for like the worst one but morgan and babs played at uh sad summer in denver and they just gave them like the oldest table like the oldest folding table ever for the cdjs and the cdjs just collapsed completely <laughs> like <laughs> fell over everything stopped and it was so awkward and it was like a huge festival too and like it's already like a weird thing because you're out of place like playing next to these bands and it's not like a typical emo night like where you have people on the stage or whatever it's like you're at a fucking music festival and like the it's a literal nightmare the dj booth falls over i started they they both like still talked about that that's like what started babs's like demise <laughs> dude i carry around a table with us for like production reasons solely for that reason like it's so bad i don't, we I don't understand like you're having like a dj party that's like bringing 700 people into like a room why don't you just like spend 50 bucks to get like a nice folding table like holy shit it's so crazy yeah do you find it weird like when people get engaged at emo night too? Don't get me wrong, like it's 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 really dope. It's 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 a yeah. huge it's a huge fucking honor, but holy shit, like what a concept. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, I like it a lot. Uh but I don't know if I would ever propose there, but that's my work, you know. Yeah, I'm not gonna yeah, like propose sure. to my wife at work. Right, right. <laughs> but I guess, you know, if you met your wife there or whatever, like it's a pretty good spot. Yeah, I guess I didn't have think like about your it like song. That. Yeah, right. You no, know? yeah, I guess I never really thought about it from that angle. I just have like drunk people. Like I had like this one drunk dude. Do you remember that guy in Iowa, Tommy in Des Moines, that like came up? He's like, yeah. I'm gonna propose to her tonight, dude. Had like the ring in his pocket, and like, I don't think they they weren't like regulars. Like I've never seen them. Like they haven't come back for like two years. So I know they like haven't come back, but they just like got engaged, just like in the front of the Good stage. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was a grand so gesture. Random, so I weird. think engagements are great um the thing that bugs me the most is birthday oh god oh, yeah. yeah dude <laughs> once you say one it's over like You're everyone done. has a birthday yeah. you can't you say can't. happy birthday i used to have a, a drop on our dj rig that was just frosty the snowman going happy birthday <laughs> so when people would come up and say it's my friend's birthday. I just hit that like three times and that's like <laughs> Well, we also host like another Perfect. like theme party. Like we do like throwback party in the Midwest in conjunction with like third string productions, the company that we work for, you know. So we we get that a lot more with like throwback party, like when people come up and like, yo, we got like thirty people back here. Can you just give me a shout out? Oh, give me the mic real quick. Can I just add the mic real quick? I'm just like, Okay, <laughs> here you go. Oh boy. Oh. What did your parents yeah think when they first came to like emo night i mean did they get it after coming to like their first event like my parents did or did it like you know yeah 
they only came to they've only come to one and it was in la and it was like a an awesome one yeah. um in like 2017 and they were just like so blown away yeah they like they really loved it and my dad actually just bought a new car and he was texting me um they are getting like a trailer hitch installed on the car and when they're not using it they wanted to get a, a trailer hitch cover and he was like can you send me the the grave boy logo i want to put that on the, <laughs> the trailer awesome. hitch. yes oh that's Proud so funny dad. i gave my parents like some i gave my parents some t-shirts like I think I'd stocked up on something. I think I had like, they're like Husker fans. They have like Husker parties, like with all their friends, like, like the football team here. And like, yeah. we did like a run of, I think you probably have one of those, like the corn Husker, like logo, like on the, Dude, the I, had, I just bought a, a Husker shirt on Depop and I meant to wear it today. And I totally spaced. You bought a Husker shirt on Depop. Are you in low key, like Nebraska fan or just did it look cool? It, you know, I have this amazing Rolling Stones shirt and it, it's so perfectly. I measured it, and then I just typed those measurements into Depop. And, <laughs> and I was like, "This shirt is kind of cool, and it's the exact dimensions of this other shirt." Oh, that's so <laughs> that's funny. so funny. Yeah, you'll but... have to wear it when you come to the Omaha show. What's that? Wear the Nebraska yeah, shirt when dude, you come come yeah. for the Omaha market yeah. show. People, dude, we need to uh, make well. some new merch for like all of the Midwest markets. We haven't done that in a long time. Like when we come back, like that's like priority number one. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> but the difference, I mean, the difference between the parties like in the states is so crazy. The vibe is like all the same. Like wherever you go in the states, everyone on our team does like a really good job of curating their own parties. Like we mentioned it a second ago about all the teams like we have across the country, um, you know. But everybody does a good job of like giving it their own unique like little hometown twist you know what i mean but when you go to la it's like a whole nother level like last time i was in la i like brushed shoulders with like machine gun kelly like i like hung out with like little xan at like one of the little satellite bars outside jerry fucking trainer from iCarly was just like hanging out in the crowd i was like what the it's fuck weird. i hung it's out so with like Travi mccoy it was it's super weird i mean like the star power is like insane and it's like a little overwhelming i mean does that ever like intimidate you or like blow your mind that you're curating an event that has like that much power behind it and kind of just people just kind of show up and hang out like it's kind of crazy i mean to me it's like <clears throat> kind of just the core philosophy of the event when we started it was like nobody is going to be greater than anybody else like we're never going to have a vip section we're never going to have bottle service we're never going to sell tables we want everybody to be on the same playing field and like i think that is reflected into like how we run the parties like everybody can get on stage you know yeah um and it's kind of a weird thing with the LA venue. I don't know if it was like nature versus nurture, but like in the Echoplex, like there's no green room. Like it sucks to be in the green room. Like yeah, you don't want to be in It's the pretty room. fucking tiny. It's um, like a hallway. Upstairs. So it like forces everybody to just kind of hang out together. There's no exclusive exclusive area or like secret party that you're not invited to. Um and I actually kind of like learned this philosophy i learned a lot like the year that uh we started emo night babs and i were also running social media for coachella um and i learned so much about like their weird rules with like what content could be posted that i adopted into our party like we were never allowed to post anything backstage you're not allowed to show the trailers like everybody knows there's trailers and stuff like that but the whole purpose is that it's kind of like Disneyland. Like you don't know what's behind the curtain. Um, you don't get to see behind the scenes and you don't want to feel like 
there's something going on that you can't get to. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that, to- that makes total. I mean, makes total sense to me. And then I, I, we, we tried to live the same way. Like not only through emo night, but like when we managed a DIY venue. I mean, we were forced to like live that way. We didn't have a fucking green room at the DIY venue that we ran for like, for however many years we ran it. You know, like there was. I think that's another reason why I clicked with you guys so much is because like there was no like real like star mentality with like any of it. It was just like, hey, like we're all just like here to have a party. We're all in the same fucking playing field. It's great. It's it's such a it's such a welcoming environment. But I mean, you guys have been fortunate enough to have guests like Post Malone show up to the party. I mean, like Demi Lovato, Chris Caraba. And I mean, the list could go on for probably it's, it's an hour. It's definitely like such a weird thing because you would think like with stars of that caliber, you know, they're going to want like a certain level of exclusivity but i think that it actually goes the other way whereas like they want to feel like they're not going to get bothered and they can like just live like a normal life yeah like like they be a part of the party you know like enjoy it just like any other person would well let's talk about a couple artists that you've a couple of your favorite artists that have come to emo night i mean i know you're a huge chris garaba fan like i know that's like your like ultimate like that was like the the peak emo night for you right mm-hmm. so i mean what other guests um you know have you guys had come out that have really like stuck out to you i mean to me the the post malone night was like awesome it was one of the best emo nights ever um that was right when congratulations had broke the top 10 on billboard so he like wasn't hot shit yet but like i just knew like he just had it, you know, like, I was like, this guy's going to be like the biggest star in the world. And like the fact that he was there celebrating congratulations, this amazing song hitting top 10. And I was like, this guy, this fucking superstar, like grew up listening to this kind of music. Like, holy shit. You know, this is cool. Yeah, that was cool. He looked like he was having a good time, too. He was just out there smoking a cigarette, just like in like just dancing along. I mean, he looked like he was having a fucking blast, dude. Having a blast. And I didn't realize that that was the same night that Demi Lovato came. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. That's a that's I just like remembered this yesterday because I was like looking for old videos. And then I was like, wow, that was the same night. Like, what the heck? I can't imagine going to a party and having both of those people show up like an emo party like at at anything. (laughs) It's so crazy. Uh well okay let's talk about guests that you'd love to have come to the party I kind of thought about this today too because me and Tommy haven't you know obviously haven't been in L A <clears throat> you know for the party all that often so I think our list is probably a lot longer than yours but I'd like to Gosh. hear who you want to come to emo night in the future I mean mine definitely is Kenny from the starting line I know you guys he's played a bunch of our emo nights before but I grew yeah. up like the biggest starting he's line so thing. nice yeah dude I, he's like the nicest like stony guy yeah i know that's what i was gonna really say dude i know he would smoke a blunt with me in, in like whatever green room or like outside or wherever oh yeah wherever we could and i i that that is gonna be peak emo night for me tommy what i mean what's yours i know you i has Mine, to be something with like my chemical romance i'm sure yeah probably it would either like gerard way would be cool because you know i think so but personally like my my like not idol i don't want to put it that way but like my guitar idol growing up was ray toro so i i like would kind of want ray toro because i feel like he's goofy and would be again just like a fun person to hang and and have a good time with yeah Ray toro what about what about you tj um the only member of my kim that we've had was mikey uh cool that was like the first year that we were doing emo night i think he did like our one year anniversary he DJed with, I want to say, like, I feel like he DJed with Jack 
from all time low or with Mark Hoppus. I can't remember. It was like a B2B thing. Fuck. Oh my God. But that was cool. Yeah. Trying to think of like who we haven't had. It's really hard. Yeah, it's really had, hard. You've had so many over the years, man. Yeah. I think like any, um, like a Pete Wentz or like Brendan Yuri or like bigger, like Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco or like Haley Williams. Yeah. Like those are all like the big fish that we haven't had yet. Yeah, dude. If, so if fuck, any of if, you are listening, <laughs> dude, if, if Post Malone can come to Emo Night, I have like Pete. Pete totally. Went, Pete went to good yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, uh, man, I think the reason I clicked with you guys so well when we met like back in the day was because you guys like to me had like a DIY mentality. I mean, you guys were doing nearly like 100% of the work on this party, flying all over the country every week. I mean, how hard and tiring was that grind when you guys started the company because literally we play so many fucking roles as like you know, throwing these parties, whether it's, you know, securing the money at the end of the night to managing production, managing guests, to being the promoter, to being the artist. I mean, like you wear a ton of hats. So just kind of like talk about how hard that grind was and like how you came to like put these teams into place. I mean, it's really tough. It's really, really tough. And like, I don't, we were between me and Morgan and Babs, like we were running all these emo nights in everywhere, but the LA one especially was really hard to run because we have four stages there um and you have a bunch of people trying to get in and it's a lot and i actually like i i didn't really start enjoying the la ones until 2019 when we hired a production manager to like run the shows right um and that's when i really got to like take a step back enjoy the night a little bit and I felt like also it opened up so much more space for us to be creative. Like that's when we started like doing the theme events and just weird photo booths and like art installations and like really thinking like outside of the box. Cause like we had all the logistical stuff off of our plate. Um, but yeah, like those early years too, like 2016, 2017, those were really, really hard. I was sick like every week um, I got, a really great frequent flyer mile status. I was like <laughs> platinum, you know, I, I knew all the good airport lounges oh, um, and I was just never home. Um, it was fun, but it was so exhausting too. Yeah. And I'm assuming you got like burnt out. I mean, doing the constant travel because it's, it's really hard to be home like during the week, like for like a couple of days and then be gone on the weekends. I mean, <clears throat> did you have to like find, like a mental health balance during that time. I mean, for me and Tommy, it's really hard to like find that balance because we're home during the week. And then like your social time on the weekends is cut off, you know, cause you're out like doing these parties, which is great because it's like, we love doing it. But like, you know, do you, did you find yourself trying to like really balance like that mental load at that time? Yeah. I mean, we, and we had our other company to ride or cry that, that we were running and building at the same time. And a lot of our parties were on Tuesdays. So it was like in the middle of the week and oh, I would God. just be like working on the airplane and then like doing the party at night and then like waking up hungover and running back to the airport and then like working some more. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was also kind of a little bit of a saving grace too. Cause I feel like at that time we weren't doing a ton of parties on the weekend. Um, so I did like kind of have my weekends a little bit to recover. Um, but I, I don't, I, I don't remember like not being sick i was like really unhealthy uh and it's just like from being on the airplane and being around like sweaty people and like (laughs) you know dude i actually thought about that like today like as (sighs) as we're kind of gearing back up and like getting things ready for like fall and like 2022 like i haven't been sick for an entire year 
Like oh, yeah. it is crazy to like think about because like for the last two years, especially during the winter time, you know, like wherever we would go, it'd be freezing cold. Everyone would be like sneezing and coughing all over the place. And it's been nice not to have to deal, <laughs> have yeah. to deal with that this year. Uh, totally. But I mean, <sighs> we, we, I'm going to keep wearing masks when we oh, can yeah. like, fly. Yeah, absolutely. Again. I'm going to always wear it on the plane and, you know, maybe even while I'm DJing, because everybody's fucking gross. Dude, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember the last like last party that we had in Omaha was on Feb. It was on Valentine's Day, and we got like these inf- like we usually get like inflatable balls and like throw them out like during like a couple songs. And I remember one of the like beach balls like came back to me, and it was yeah. disgusting. I was like, no, beach one- balls like, are terrible, dude. Like, no I, we learned this. Sick. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, we learned that we did like a beach themed one and the beach balls were just disgusting because once they hit the floor and they just get soaked with dirt and beer and then they come back and balloons are the way to go because at least those die. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed like the beach ball thing because we used to do it like almost every show. But yeah, I'm not for Ocean Avenue. I mean, but we talk about like things that are ruined by the pandemic. I mean. Beach balls for sure, but what did the pandemic ruin for like emo night? I mean, I know you guys have transitioned into doing like these really wonderful virtual events, and you guys have this really cool like community that you've built like via Patreon and Discord. I know you guys had Coachella on deck though, and the Coheed Cruise. So, I mean, what else? Did we, is there anything that we don't know that that got ruined uh, by the pandemic for um, emo night? I mean, I I just really think that like we had such like a really good momentum going into twenty twenty kind of really sucks because like we were hitting our stride creatively and like those first two or three events that we did in LA like they were just over the top as far as like what we were trying with the production and like the character actors and like a lot of just the creative elements that we were bringing into it like we had the future themed one where we rented a DeLorean we literally built robot costumes like with actual computer heads and the eyes were blinking grave boys and like we were just going fucking out there you know (laughs) not only that Uh, but like selling out shows i mean like i I can speak for the midwest i mean we and it's not really a secret when like shit sells out but we sold out our first six shows of the year which is yeah fucking nuts super crazy and like well, i think and, it's going to be even crazier when we can come back you know yeah. it, it does suck like we did lose some momentum but i do think that like when, when we can do live shows again it's going to be crazier than ever and i'm actually like really pumped that we've been able to connect with like the diehard members of the community in the way that we have throughout this thing um it's kind of something that i've always wanted to do like you know one of my role model bands is like the grateful dead and just how they managed their fan club and took care of their people um who took care of them and it was just this like really symbiotic like communal thing yeah um and i feel like we never really had the time to nurture a community like that um so the pandemic kind of like forced us to do that and you know we have i'm excited now to go to these these cities that we had events in that I now like am friends with people in through 
the digital world yeah. and like meet them in real life for the first time, you know? Yeah. Which is crazy. Cause I, I think the exact same way. Like I think about all the people that I've met, like DJ from Texas, like he's someone that I've, mm-hmm. that I've become like pretty good friends with, you know, Tina, like in LA, mm-hmm. like there's, there's so many different people. Like as you go down the list, like even like in the markets that, you know, we, that we're visiting all the time here, like in the Midwest, you know, I, I met people online that I've never met in person at like those shows, which is, which is awesome. You know, you're totally right. We've really got to kind of buckle down and like work on friendship, which has been a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. I mean? I mean, I really like, I've been like toying with, I don't know how to word this maybe like you guys can help me. We can like think on this, but like, I've been kind of thinking about changing, you know, the Instagram bio for a minute and like making it say like, Something where it's like a group of friends throwing parties across the country or something like that. Dude, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it fucking is, dude, at this yeah. point. Like, yeah. it's, I, I'm friends with pretty much every, I feel like, we, uh, you know, we all are friends together, but I mean, I've, I've made relationships with like every single person who throws emo nights like throughout the States. I think besides Denver, I don't think I've ever met Rob, but it's, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to, I think there was talk at the beginning of the pandemic, like when we were all started to get on like JQBX, which is, it's like emo night FM, which is like a radio thing that we that um, that you guys did at the beginning, beginning stages of the pandemic when shit was really fucking boring. Um, there was like talk of getting like a huge RV and like going to like all of these emo nights like throughout like the Midwest. <laughs> I think it'd be so fun to do that. The emo just, night I mean, tour, get everybody out. That'd be fun. Just need to do another. Just need to like get the cruise headliner, the cruise thing like rebooked. Like then we all. Well, I'm just, working like, on something right now. I don't know if we can talk about it on the podcast, but maybe after we hang up, I'll tell you guys a little bit about something I mean, that we're working on. Drop some secrets, and then you'll be the first to know. But uh, I mean, I'll let's talk about something. Open. Um, let's talk about something that you guys have done recently. You've launched your own chicken sandwich restaurant. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's been really hard to survive as a party during the pandemic. I mean, mm-hmm. but you guys have done a really good job of like trying to adjust, you know, to life without in-person events. So let's talk about Emo Bite. Um, it's based out of like 10 cities currently, LA obviously being the flagship per usual. I mean, but talk about like the idea coming to life. What are your goals for this pop-up restaurant? I mean, how is it being perceived in the markets it's been rolled out to? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a ghost kitchen. So it's like, we have all these restaurants across the country uh, cooking the food for us. Um, and they're decent restaurants too. Like, um, you know, it's not just like out of like an IHOP or a Denny's or something like, <laughs> and it's not stuff that's on the normal menu. It's like, we have our own menu that we designed and curated and these people are making it like, you can't just go to this place and like order it during business hours, like off their normal menu. Like, this is unique to our restaurant. Right. So um, hopefully we get to expand to a few more cities um, in the next quarter. We'll see how it goes. We've seen quite a bit of uh, feedback that we need a vegan option, which I knew was going to happen. Dude, hell yeah. Just, I was like, going to say the same thing. I mean, I, yeah, still, I still eat chicken, so I probably get a regular chicken sandwich. But yeah, I like vegan chicken is like probably my favorite foe like meat for sure. Would love to get a vegan option on the menu. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't really know what the, the end game is with it, but it's something that we've always wanted to do. Um, just like incorporate food into our events in some, some way we've had the idea and the name emo bite, like sitting, (laughs) you know, forever. Yeah. Um, I really want to do sunglasses next emo site. 
just all the rhymes yeah. you can get before they run out. There's so out. many different ways you could take it. Yeah, like, you could do well, a tool the, line. Like last summer, the... we did a kite. Yeah, I saw, kite. yeah I saw the kite. The kite was cool. <laughs> dude, I haven't flown a kite since I was a kid. I thought about getting one. I was like, am I really going to do this? Like, I think I can send you. Oh, we have so many oh in our store. Oh, my God, send me one. That'd be <laughs> like, we have plenty. Don't buy one. Okay. It comes with a curated playlist, too. You scan the QR code, and it's all songs about yes. flying. Yes. Oh, I love it. It's so creative. You guys you guys come up with the most creative, like, little tiny details that they, they really matter, you know? And you guys you guys we just like to the... make ourselves laugh, I think, is the thing. You know, oh, like, we just want to, like, be funny and, like, I was it. laughing pretty hard. I thought the the chicken thing was a joke at first. Like when I first saw the flyer for it come up on Instagram, a friend reposted it. I knew nothing about it and I clicked on it and I was like, holy, oh damn, like, holy that's shit, hilarious. That <laughs> and then it made me, like it looked delicious and it made me want to drive to Minneapolis because it was like the closest <laughs> place. I was like, I kind of want to try one. It's only six hours away. I've got nothing going on today. Yeah, why not? Right now. Road yeah, trip for chicken. Road trip for chicken. <laughs> Well, let's, let's transition to talk about something positive then. I mean, how has the quarantine time been for you personally? I know you kind of picked up blogging a little bit more. I think we talked about that at the top of the episode. Um, but you were just kind of doing the whole YouTube thing like right before the pandemic. Talk about what it's been like kind of building up your YouTube channel. I think at the beginning of this year, you pledged to do a video every day. And I don't think you've delivered on that. So tell no, me. No, I, I quit <laughs> after like 63 days. Straight. 63 days is pretty good. Yeah, I was just like uh it's it's just hard um especially in the pandemic like to come up with new content every single day well, especially when you're not like um, leaving the fucking house yeah and i was starting to like resent it and i didn't want that um it was it was f- like fun for a while and then it started to get not fun and i was like okay i probably need to dial it back because like this was originally supposed to just be like a fun thing for me to like learn how to use cameras learn how to tell stories better and and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then it just became like another job. And I was like working every day till like midnight. I would wake up at seven and like work till midnight. Oh, Cause like, fuck. it's a lot, it's a shit ton of work. Yeah, it sounds like a ton <laughs> like, of work. Editing those videos is like four to six hours each. And I'm doing that on top of like my two other businesses. Yeah, and um, I was just getting really burnt out. Yeah, I mean, for reference, too, if, if anybody listening doesn't know, TJ's wife is, like, a mega influencer and, like, YouTube star, too, Aaron Guilfoy. It's, it's kind of crazy, the connection here, because our good friend Carly Contra, who is from Omaha and also, like, a big influencer, is best friends with your wife. Me and Tommy have known Carly for a long fucking time. It's crazy how, as I go on in my life, how crazy I... It's, it's crazy how much I realize this... We're all fucking in this, like, really small community together. I mean, I actually think i got the idea from asking you like about asking you guys to do emo night in omaha through like a conversation i had with carly it's just crazy how like all of that works but i mean do you ever struggle i think this is kind of like off topic from what i just said but do you guys ever struggle with like what you want to share on your vlog versus like you know do you ever have like that that struggle of figuring out what to share what kind of boundaries to set in like this line of work because i know at the start of this year like we said you know you started to do a vlog like every day but i mean you've really got to share some intimate moments in these in these blogs i mean do you ever find like the right boundary or the right balance of what you share i think it's definitely hard um to to do that uh you know the uh, like for me like i really don't want to I have to be really careful about like sharing where I live yeah. or like details about like 
where our house is or what our address is, you know, that's like obvious, but um, yeah, it's tough. Cause like I, when I was putting up those videos every day, I'm still, I'm still vlogging. I'll post like two or three times a week, but um, when I'm putting up those videos, yeah, actually, like I watched, eight... I watched you put together your hammock the other day. I thought, <laughs> did you ever, did you ever get a new one? I ordered a new one. Okay, it's good. on the way. Good. Sorry. Didn't mean um, but I'm putting up like eight to 10 minutes of content and people think that they know so much about my life. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm literally sharing like eight minutes of my entire day, right. you know, I like maybe the most interesting parts and like, maybe not. Right. Um, right. But people think that they know everything that, that you're doing. Um, another thing that was like really challenging about it was like people judging small details about my life like how i took ice out of my ice maker in my <laughs> freezer they're like you don't have a scoop like you're just grabbing it with your hands it's like the yeah crazy. i'm the only one fucking touching it so yeah it's okay <laughs> yeah it's going into my drink like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean do you guys ever get recognized like out in la i mean it might be kind of hard with like masks and everything but i mean yeah i mean you guys are like kind of like LA famous. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, I, we got, I got recognized yesterday at target, but it was for emo night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, blogs or emo night. I think it's like, it's a combination of both. I bet you have like, I bet you have a pretty good mix of people that probably like recognize you from both. Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, we've been talking for an hour, so let's uh let's wrap up on a couple quick hitters and uh, one last question. I've always wanted to know like what kind of music you listen to on a day to day basis. I mean, I uh, I listen to podcasts. Oh, okay, <laughs> got it. I, I like hardly listen to music anymore. Dude, it's so um, crazy because like the last like three guests that we've had, be like, yeah, I don't really listen to music anymore. Like George Schmitz was like, yeah, I just listen to Weezer like all the time now. That's like all I listen to. I don't know. I think it like. The thing that I kind of realized this summer, like especially listening to stuff like Bright Eyes or stuff that's like really emotional, it was just like we were all in way too vulnerable of a place. I think. Um, yeah, feel that. I couldn't handle it. Like I would put stuff on and it would just make me feel so much worse. But then at the same time, I'm putting on like political podcasts, which just make me enraged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I did. I do find that this year I'm listening to more music. The election cycle is over. Thank God. So I'm like less consumed with with that. Um, and I have been listening to more music. One of my favorite artists this year that I've found is this girl named Maud Latour. I really like her. She's like 20, 21. She's a student at Columbia, and she makes like really just good pop music. Nice. <laughs> um. It's like kind of like Lord. Nice. But um, yeah, what else have I been listening to? Other than that, you know, what? like mods, like the only thing I've found in a while that I'm like, yeah, this is, this is fucking awesome. Any specific podcast that you, uh, that you frequent throughout the weeks? Um, I pretty much start every day with ABC news. Start here. Yeah. yeah I, I usually listen to deadline white house every day. MSNBC. Okay, that's a good one. I, gotcha. It's, it's, it gives me everything I need to know about what's. Uh, it was a really good resource during the Trump administration because then I could just get mm -hmm. literally everything that he did in like 
45 minutes and just like get it over with. Yeah. But I've since, what else do I've I since have? stopped oh, listening to it. I'm also really like unhealthily obsessed with um, QAnon. And <laughs> like I'm not QAnon, but I like am fascinated by the yeah. entire thing. And I listen to multiple QAnon and like podcasts where they just analyze the entire movement and talk about different news that's happening in the in the world of of Q. Dude, it's I find that to be so fascinating. But the fast the most fascinating part for me is trying to understand how people believe it. Totally. You know what I totally. mean? Totally. And like I, I'm sure that's probably the same angle yeah. that you have, but like yeah, like I tried to watch a documentary on the the other day. I had to shut it off halfway. Have through. you watched the HBO one? That's, Is that the one? Yeah, that's the in, one I mentioned. Yeah. Into the storm. It's it's absolutely fantastic. It's like the best documentary I've ever seen. I had to shut <laughs> I had to shut it off halfway through, dude. It, it like it made me really sad. It's like there are people out here that are li- like, I feel bad. You gotta for like get through the missing. first two episodes. Um, and like that dude, the guy who made that, his name's Cullen, and he spent like three years completely objectively immersing himself in the world of these people behind the movement and behind 8chan and the sites where it's brilliant it's a brilliant concept it's really really good i just it's crazy to know that there are so many people out there that just eat that shit up you know what i mean yeah i don't think i could ever be like brainwashed i was talking to ricky and morgan about this the other day i was like i don't know if i could i don't like i don't think i don't think you could get me yeah dude i don't dude i just i'm too much of a free thinker to like put all of these crazy like instances together you know what i mean like if you just look at things like super objectively like i i don't know how you can like believe any of that shit that's a whole nother fucking conversation i i yeah. i might have to go back and start rewatching all that shit but <laughs> let's finish on some quick hitters uh i i've got a couple things written down just yes or no answers or just one word response answers but uh all right we'll end on this thanks for joining the podcast man it's it's been really good to catch up i, I say thank this, you for having me i say this every episode but i always fucking learn so much about all of the people that we have on here it's like I work with so many people throughout the years and it's crazy to just like learn more about their lives and like what it's, what their life is like. It's, it's, it's great. It's great. But uh, let's, let's get into the first one here. We'll just rotate Tom. If you want to take the next one. Uh, I, I never really understood your connection until now because I didn't know you were from the new England area. So Boston Red Sox or new England Patriots. I mean, I'm a fan of both. You got to pick, <laughs> you got to pick one that uh, you're more loyal to. That I'm more loyal, or one that you're more, the, the bigger fandom that you're a part of. How about that? that probably that, the Patriots. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Um, I mean, I did work at Fenway Park when I was in college. Ooh, damn, that's crazy. I was I was a fan photographer. Oh, so sweet. I'd walk around and try and solicit people to take pictures, um, and then sell them the same pictures after that. Um, but it was fun because I got to like go to a, a shit ton of Red Sox games. Um, but I think in more recent years, I've just been way more invested in the Patriots just because they've been a dynasty, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, I was like 12 when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl, and I got to go to see him in person and win a Super Bowl a couple of years ago for the Patriots, and that was awesome. So nice. are you still a Tom Brady fan or... No, no. Okay. Okay. Just, just making sure. Just making sure. Did it, I mean, did it I'm s- grateful for him uh, for what he did for New England, but as a person, he kind of. What What did it feel like know. when he won, like 
the championship this year? Like, was it? It was just like, well, like, not surprised. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> well, know? that was bound to happen. Yeah, like I don't know what anybody thought. Yeah. Like at the beginning of the year, I was like, oh yeah, he's old now. Yeah. Like he sucked. He sucked last year. Like Belichick's the brains. Cam Newton's great. Oh, and Lord. then like the season went on, and I was like, oh fuck. Like, it's like well, I'll, I'll, I'll tune in next season. How about that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, enough sports talk. You're a Chris Caraba fan, so dashboard or further seems forever. Dashboard. I think I was a little bit late on uh, further seems forever. I was just like too young. Did you ever get into like? Um, did you ever get into their new stuff like Penny Black? That's such a good album. Uh, uh, no. Oh Is that a further seems forever album? Yeah, definitely. Dude, without Chris? No, it's with Chris. It was his co- with Chris. It was his comeback album. It's super good record. I haven't listened to it. I'll have to listen to yeah, it. Super good. I mean. Yeah, I mean, you're not really listening to music anymore, so I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can really do that or not. But all right, how about Park City or L.A.? Which one would you prefer to live in, like when you get older? Probably Park City, honestly. Yeah. Favorite TikTok food trend? I know you're high on those right now. (laughs) Um, I just did this one where I put a bagel with cream cheese in the air fryer, and that was really delicious. I saw that. It looked fucking like really good. Pretty good. What does the cream cheese taste like when it's like in the air fryer? Is it like crisp up like on top? It kind of just has like a nice layer on top, like a nice like. Tommy, um, did, I uh, saw that and I instantly thought of you, Tommy. Like that's some shit that you would do. Yeah, that's something I would do. We we did the cinnamon rolls, like the tube cinnamon rolls in uh-huh. the air fryer, and like you put the icing on. It seems like Yum. similar. They were delish. That sounds great. Favorite LA food spot. Other than your own, other than emo bite, uh, love hour. <laughs> oh love shit, hour. yo, love yeah. hour is dope. You guys had it outside of uh, outside of that party that I was there in. in yeah, we were having them at like a lot of our emo nights in LA, and their burgers are just fantastic. They're like the smash burgers. Did you do it just so to yeah, get Tommy, free you burgers? Would, you would love that shit. It's so good. I would have a hundred percent. Oh my god, I think I had one when Dude, we went. We're always Dude. doing these podcasts right around dinner time, so like I always ask the food questions last, and it always pays off because now I'm gonna log off here and then go eat. It's like literally perfect timing. But uh, all right, well, I guess we can wrap there. TJ, thanks again for joining us, man. It's been really fun. Oh, thank to, you for having me. Yeah, it's been really fun to catch up. Hope everything is manageable out there in LA. Hopefully, we can cross paths sometime. I don't know. I apologize if I'm a little rusty. I like don't talk to anybody except my wife and my camera. So <laughs> hey, and Paris and, and Whitey. Yeah, you got. You got that's I, true. I, I think that's I talked true. to Sid. I think Sydney's back there. Where she at? Yeah, I talked to Sid. Yeah, she's. Oh my God, look at her. She's passed out. Yeah, Aww. I talk to her more than like anybody, so I'm with you. Like, I think she's sick of me talking. So, but anyway, if you guys want to find us on social, you can search us on Twitter at Left Off Pod. You can find us on Facebook at the Where We Left Off Podcast. And until next time, I guess we will. Uh, I guess we'll see you next week. I've got a. I've got a another guest booked up for I think Monday of next week. So, we're gonna finish out the uh, the first. I guess the beginning of the second quarter strong here. <laughs> Try to get into a role uh, heading into summer. So enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk to you soon. And that's our show. If you like what you heard on this episode and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe to our pages. You can find us on Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as Spotify. You can also find us on social media, too, at Left Off Pod on Twitter 
and just simply search our name on Facebook or Instagram, the Where We Left Off podcast. See you next time.